Ten hard truths you're going to have to accept if you want to own a business. Hi, welcome to another week of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And you can find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. I'm sitting with you today with a list in front of me. I started this crazy kind of brainstorm rather impulsively over the weekend. I started to think about last week's sessions and the work that I had done with some of my clients. And I realized between them and through the podcast episodes I had recorded last week, that there's some things that keep coming up in the work that I do with people and the things that I talk about here on the show, that there are these core hard truths or core non-negotiable realities that when people decide they want to own a business, they have to choose to accept. It's become like kind of the commandments really of business ownership for me. And I never wanted to be so bold as to say, oh, there's these 10 hard, fast rules. Because honestly, I think that there's a lot more than 10. So this is probably more likely my current 10. And uh, I'm going to take the liberty as podcast host to be able to edit as needed. But I want you to start thinking about what comes with being the boss. The choice you're making when you decide you want to own a business, take the risk, go after the brass ring, or any other cliche you want to put in front of that concept. But the choice you're making when you're chasing a dream to be an entrepreneur, to be a solopreneur, to run a sole proprietorship, to go out on it on your own in some way, there's some unavoidable truths that I feel like when I get client inquiries or when I see these questions in my inbox, it feels like people are trying to learn how to build businesses without having to deal with that hard stuff. Rather than recognizing that hard stuff comes with the choice to own a business. So I just pulled out the old-fashioned pen and paper, started brainstorming, and came up with 10 over the weekend. Who knows what I'll be throwing at you in a couple more weeks if I give it any more thought. But for right now, we've got 10 coming at you. So hold on to your hat, sit still, and I will find you on the other side of this break. I want to start with the golden rule when it comes to running an online business. I think it's probably true for most businesses if you think about it, but particularly in the online business space when we're fighting the myth that it's so easy that anybody can own a business and you don't have to work that hard. The money can come in passively while you sleep. All of the messaging and marketing that we're battling against, the saturation of that myth that everybody now is finding finding the reality to be anything but true. It brings us to this golden rule. And if this rule doesn't work for you, online business isn't going to work for you. A brick and mortar business probably won't work for you either. But here goes. There's a difference between simply wanting to make money online and wanting to run an online business. You've got to know the difference so you can choose accordingly. So I just want that to sit for a second, because what I'm saying is that there's a difference between owning a business and making money online. 
If all you want to do is make money online, there's a thousand different ways to do that. You can, you know, start, um, you know, doing bargain hunting and sell things online. You can do, um, you know, some of those like, you know, uh, marketing things where you, you purchase and a certain number of products for your, uh, friends and family and they buy from you and you get a percentage of the sales. There's all kinds of different ways that you can make money online. But as my friend Jess Lorimer point, uh, points out, she's a leader and a sales coach over based in the UK and she has a podcast called Smart Leaders Sell. And the thing that she always says is even a month, um, <laughs> let me get that right. Even a month can make money online. Try saying that one five times fast. Um, and her point is valid because all we have to do is put a GoPro camera on the neck of a monkey, have him climb a tree, eat a banana, and he can gather YouTube views, get ad revenue, and the money can come in. And that is different than owning an online business. There's a distinction that comes with business ownership around the decisions you need to make, the planning you need to do, the steps you need to make, the different components of business ownership, the idea that you're not just freelancing or consulting, but you're choosing to build a brand and a presence online. You're choosing to create a product or service, put it out there and offer it to people for sale. That is different than being an affiliate and having a home cooking blog and then linking to the spice on Amazon and getting the money from Amazon anytime someone buys that spice by reading your recipe blog. It's a different mentality. And making money online is easy. And if that's all you want to do, then know that, embrace it, and go after it because there is possibility for that. But if you want to build a business, you have to choose to be the boss and to be in charge, to have a vision, to set goals, and to operate with the business mentality. That means making it about more than the money thinking about the big picture, having a plan, a destination, and the steps that you're going to take to get there. It's really different. And I think sometimes people confuse them and they make them one and the same. And it's simply not true. If you're looking to build a suite of services, products, if you're looking to offer coaching, consulting, if you're looking to make some sort of tangible product like a planner or organizational system or, you know, bookkeeping service, whatever you have, you have to ask yourself, am I just looking to make a couple of bucks or am I looking to make an income? And that core question will guide you through all the other rules because anytime you get stuck, anytime you get lost, you will be able to bring yourself back to the moment where you chose to be the boss. And hopefully then you'll act accordingly. Now, my second rule I already talked about last week, so I'm not going to give you a whole nother podcast episode about it, but it's the idea that anyone who wants to run a business has to accept that they're choosing to be a salesman or a saleswoman. It's simply non-negotiable. So the idea that people want to own a business, but they're afraid to sell are 
it's an oxymoron. It doesn't work. So when you make that bold choice to really go after something, to build something for yourself, you have to know and accept that it's simply non-negotiable that you're going to be choosing to sell that you're going to create a product or service, you're going to know how it can transform the lives of people, and you know you can make a difference, but you're going to have to tell them about it, and you're going to have to ask for the sale. Beginning, middle, end. There's just no way around it. Once you wrap your mind around that one, hold on to your hat because we got the next one. If you build it, they will come only works in the movies. Putting yourself out there is also non-negotiable. This is something that I had to learn firsthand. When I joined the online business space in 2015, I had hired a business coach. She taught me about moving my brick and mortar private therapy practice into the online space. Basically said, get a website up, decide who you want to help, make good copy, and off you go. And the reality is, is that doesn't work. People can't find you if they don't tell, if you don't tell them that you exist. The next trap I fell into was this idea of free content, free content, free content. Just give everybody your best stuff for free. They will see how invaluable you are and then they will want to buy from you. Bullshit. <laughs> Plain and simple. I wrote blog posts and articles that attracted over a million page views, and I didn't get a single sale from them. It wasn't because the article wasn't good, and it wasn't because it was a fluke and I just had some mini hit that I didn't have to work for. It's because in an article, I never asked for the sale. People don't read these articles and read our free content and just think to themselves, hmm, maybe this person has a suite of services that could be helpful for me. I just want to give this person all my money. Sometimes that happens. But usually you have to build that no like, and trust factor first, which is why you delivered that content in the first place. But the second point is you have to ask for the sale. That's part of the kind of relationship that you're building with your audience. If you were just putting out the blog posts, putting up the social media posts, and telling everybody all the advice, giving them all the answers, and at the end of the day, you're not asking for the sale, you're doing your business a massive disservice and it doesn't work. You can't build a brand on free. You have to put yourself out there. I know that that's not true for some of the entrepreneurs who paved the way in this space and they made it sound so easy. You offer an enticing article, you put in a good lead in, and then suddenly people are just clamoring for your time, clamoring for your services, and you'll be booked out in no time. But the problem with that is everyone said it, everyone sold it, Swarms of people have bought into the notion and now everybody is just trained to absorb free content. And initially it's pretty enticing. I have to admit, when you give free content and everybody likes it and everybody shares it and they tell everybody like, oh my gosh, Heather's so great. Have you heard her podcast? Have you read this article? She asked this really good question. It's amazing and it's ego affirming and it's validating but it doesn't change the bottom line unless you ask for the sale. 
beginning, middle, and end. At my most popular online a couple years ago, I wasn't making any money because I kept waiting for people to independently read my articles, realize how awesome I am, call me up and ask to work with me. You have to extend your hand and say, here I am, this is what I've got, what do you need? How can I help? You've got to do that. A rule of business, non-negotiable, hard truth. I hesitate to say this next one a little bit because I have a feeling it's going to get me in trouble and my inbox is going to get filled and I just emptied it from last week. But I was talking in a consultation. Um, I had two different consultations last week where the same conversation happened where the person was like, I don't know how to describe what I do. I don't know how to offer in a succinct word or phrase what it is I offer, how I help. I know I can help people, but I don't know what to call myself. And that is another um, like problem, I think, with the online space. I see all of these titles and names that people give themselves to try to describe what they do. And one of the things that I think it creates is this lack of confidence in the business owner. This idea that if you can't even describe what you do, how do you explain it to other people? How do you stand behind it, feel legit with it, and sell it in an open, honest way? And the way that I, you know, sort of relate to this is I have a one-on-one -on -one plan of the way people work with me. Not everybody works with me this way, but I have like five to ten. 10 people right now who are working with me one-on-one -on -one through an app called Voxer. It's a walkie-talkie voice messaging app where instead of doing scheduled calls and one-on-one -on -one sessions, these clients pay for the ability to have me in their back pocket Monday through Friday during business hours, Pacific Standard Time. I don't know what to call that <laughs> because it's so new in the online business space and it feels so... Um, just uh, out of, um, out of sync with the way people normally do business that my story is, is, oh, people aren't going to take it seriously. Who would buy that? So it's an offering I have that people only end up finding out about when they talk to me on the phone and I can give them the explanation. If you were to go to my website right now and look for ways to work with me, you won't find this plan, even though about a quarter of my current caseload is using this plan. And it's because it doesn't have a name. And I think like that's one problem if you have a product or service that you have a hard time describing, defending, explaining, standing behind, or owning. I get that. But when it's your actual business description, when it's who you are, what you do, that's going to keep you way more stuck. And you get to choose one of those highfalutin uh, titles if you want. You get to make up a description and describe yourself in any way you want to. But here's the next rule. If you're going to make up a title that describes what you do, your belief in what you do has to be strong enough to withstand the doubts and questions people will have. Now, I remember when I told my dad that I had created this Voxer plan. I had created it kind of spontaneously. I had offered it as a beta to a couple of people. 
It was working really well. I was getting good feedback. And then I found myself in this long-ass transition process of moving. And uh, we had moved out of our house at the end of October. I was set to be in hotel living for several months with unreliable Wi-Fi, not knowing what would be available to me when. I wanted more time freedom. So it seemed like the best idea possible to just offer a flat rate Voxer plan to a group of people who already knew me in my Facebook group or who had listened to my podcast or, you know, followed my email list or were on my Facebook page. And I could just say, hey, this is an easy, low cost way of working with me. What do you say? I told my dad and he goes, they give you money for that? Huh? And he just shook his head. And he's a businessman by nature. He's how I learned to run a business. And suddenly that one question had me going, oh, maybe it's not a legit product. Maybe I should be a little embarrassed to sell it. But the reality is, is that little product or service that could is kicking all kinds of ass. And my clients are making huge gains in their lives because they have real time advice. I believe in it now so I can start selling it. If you're doing that with your title or job description, you need to start doing the same thing. Oh, I certainly hope that last bit of audio went through okay for you guys. In all transparency, I'm still recording from a hotel and the area outside our door here is cement. Um, so it's not rugged or carpeted in any way. And between luggage carts that go by all the time and the housekeeping carts that go by all the time, it is impossible to predict when it'll be quiet. And I just need to embrace that entrepreneurial spirit a little bit that done is better than perfect. And I certainly hope you're going to join me with that and embrace that sentiment and excuse any of the noise in the background. I'll certainly try to keep it to a minimum and hit mute whenever possible. But I am going to go forth because we have to have an important conversation. And it's the idea around failure. Admittedly, if I wipe this issue off the map, I no longer have a job. I no longer have a business because most of what I work on with people is some form of getting out of their own way around fears of failure and fears of rejection. But what I tell my clients, and I really want you guys to take away today, is the idea that what if I fail is the wrong question. How am I going to handle failure is the inevitable one. Just sit with that for a second. I know sometimes I talk too fast and give people too much information all at once, but failure is inevitable. If you can't sit with that notion, come to a way of embracing it and accepting it as a part of business ownership, you can't own a business. Because there is no way to guarantee that every single time you step up to the plate, you're going to hit it out of the park and make a home run. It just doesn't happen in business. And not, and we don't always know the variables. Sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes it's the time of day or the time of year you're putting an offer out. Sometimes it's that you didn't use the right copy for the op for the audience that you're trying to reach. There's all kinds of different reasons why something you're trying to sell or something you're trying to do doesn't connect in the way you had imagined or intended it to go. If you can't accept that, 
You got to move on and cut your losses. There's no other way around it. But if you can start to think about how am I going to handle failure? Who do I want to be when it doesn't work out? When I try my best and my best doesn't work, what's my plan? What's my intention? If you can get clear on that, you create a way of moving through the hard parts. And you're not going to know this every time. It's kind of like this idea that when I was a mental health therapist and I worked with people on breakups, I used to say, well, you know, we're here in this hard time, but don't worry because the next time you get your heart broken, it's going to be easier. And everybody would say, oh, that's so pessimistic. You should just assume that my next relationship is going to be the one. And of course, that's always true and it's always possible. But the reality is, is once we go through one hard time, it makes it easier to go through again. When we avoid it altogether, we never build the skills, the tools, the strategies for learning how to manage it. And failure, like it's, it's a reality of owning a business and it, it's going to hurt for some people. Admittedly, some people don't get emotionally moved by failure. They do kind of fall down, pick themselves up, brush themselves off, and move on without missing a beat. But that's not most of us. Most of us are going to need a minute. And we should take the minute. But we should decide, too, how are we going to move on? What's our game plan? What do we need to learn from the failure? What do we need to make sure we don't do again? How are we going to move through the world differently? Those are the questions we need to ask ourselves because then we can stop fearing failure because we'll have developed a plan for it. Every time I put out something that doesn't quite work, anytime I give it my best shot and it doesn't go my way, I take a break from social media. That's usually my automatic because typically that's how I'm putting out products and services. I'm letting people know I exist. I'm letting people know I have a way of helping. And if nobody buys, well, then I just go away for a little while. Not because I'm even licking my wounds, but because, well, why am I going to keep giving free content to somebody who doesn't want my paid content until I figure out a way to connect in a way that feels right for me? I just back off. This next rule is kind of linked to what I was just talking about around the idea of preparing for failure. You do want to have a plan. Um, if you know that you need a cry day, then schedule in a cry day. If you know that you need to move away slowly from the business until you can catch your breath before you burn it all down, then make sure you do that. Um, you have to know how you move through the world and what's going to help you get re-motivated and re-inspired when you give your best and your best doesn't work. That That's just the way it goes, right? But the next part of this is recognizing that resiliency is a requirement. They go hand in hand, right? Like you have to accept failure, but that sounds so heavy and negative and miserable. And I don't think it tells the whole story because the other part of it is by choosing to accept that failure is inevitable, that it is going to happen at some point when you least expect it, to know and embrace the idea that it will build resiliency, that it will build the hope of possibility because you've been exposed to it already. You've seen that it didn't break you. You've seen yourself become stronger for it. You're going to feel capable of bouncing back with Maurice. You're not going to want to. You're not going to like it. You're going to wish it never happened, but you're going to be capable. 
And when you can prove to yourself that you're capable, anything starts to feel possible. People get frozen when they don't think they can deal with this something, when they think that something's going to cross their desk or come their way, and they're not going to be able to handle it. You can know you can handle it and know that you just wish you didn't have to. But that's what resiliency is all about, giving you the tools, the skills, the strategies to be able to problem solve with more efficiently, efficiency so that when you do get knocked down, it's easier to get back up. It doesn't leave as much of a mark and you can keep pushing on and moving forward. Now, the next thing is, what if I get haters is also the wrong question. How am I going to handle the haters is the necessary one. You guys heard this happen to me last week. I kind of got a little provocative in the way I was talking to you and I was delivering some hard truths and some of the listeners didn't like it. So they came after me. And of course, what did they do? They came after me with my personal business that I was bold enough, brave enough, vulnerable enough to share. So they used my own stuff against me and they did it pretty effectively for them. Um, and I had to decide in that moment, who do I want to be? How do I want to move through the world? And what do I want to have happen next? And the reality is, is that not sharing my story isn't going to change the fact that haters will exist. They'll just pick something else. That's what people do when they see that you're successful. That's what they do when they see that you have something they want. To pretend that everybody's going to like you, love you, accept you, be happy with your services, buy again, become a raving fan. It's the Hollywood dream of online business, but it's not reality. You're not going to please everyone. Not everyone's going to understand you. And that's okay because you can't serve everyone anyway. So when it happened to me, and it has happened to me in the past, and again, just like I said with resiliency, like once it happens a couple of times, you build a thicker skin. And I started before I ever knew I wanted to own an online business. I was writing for larger media publications and people on the internet love to tear you down because they don't know who you are so they can just take their bad day out on you so when I you know get these negative comments or whatever it's pretty easy for me to blow off but what was interesting for me to learn last week is it was a little harder to do with my podcast commentary than it was with my article commentary because I care more about my podcast I care more about my show. I really care about what I'm doing here and what I'm offering you guys. So when they came after me personally last week, it stung a little bit. But at the end of the day, I asked myself, would you do anything differently? And the answer is hell no, because I really believe in the idea of modeling mindset in real time, of telling people how it is, the good, the bad, and the in-between. That means sharing myself and putting myself out there with the hope that I inspire you guys to do the same thing for yourselves. And if I don't do it, then I'm not risking anything and I have to be prepared for the other side. This next one is also kind of linked to the hater rule a little bit, but it deserves its own uh, turn in the spotlight, really. And it's the idea that dreamers are always going to have to explain and defend themselves. We have to accept it and then decide the people who matter and only look for their acceptance and approval and recognize no one else matters. One of the things that I think trips new, businesses owner, new business owners up 
mostly. I don't think established businesses manage this as much or deal with it or even have to confront it as much. But it's the idea that friends and family will pose doubts, concerns, questions. Sometimes you have to get spouses to buy in. Sometimes you have to explain yourself to friends when you're, um, you know, using, excuse me there, usually socializing with them and instead using your free time to build a business. Sometimes you have to have hard conversations, right? There's ways of letting people know what you're doing, what you're hoping for, what you're wishing for. And that's a whole episode unto itself. I can't actually even remember right now if I've already done it. But the idea of getting the support of family and friends. And one of the things that I think happens to people when they choose to be entrepreneurs, when they choose to build businesses, is it comes with this odd sense of entitlement that I've really never encountered anywhere else. But it's this idea of, I want to dare greatly. I want to take a chance. I want to be bold and brave and daring and everyone should just accept me. That's nonsense. No, not everyone has to accept you. And whether or not people accept you doesn't influence whether or not you're actually going to go and do the thing. Obviously, when you're married to somebody in a committed relationship and you have responsibilities for other people, you have to include them in your decisions and in your plans and in your goals, just like you would for anything else. If you were training for a marathon and needed, you know, availability to do that, if you needed to change your diet because your health changed, anything like the people who matter need to know. And the idea that you don't have to explain yourself to the people that matter is nonsense. Because if you keep it up with that perspective, you're going to get that like brass ring. You're going to get exactly what you want. And you're going to be alone at the end of the day. This happened to a client of mine. She launched her first product, made six figures in six weeks of the launch. And when she was done with it, her husband divorced her and said he wanted the kid because she hadn't had time for them anyway. You don't want that to happen to you. You don't want that to be your truth and your reality. So if you want family and relationships and friends and your business, you have to make room for both and recognize that you're going to have to talk to people about both of them. It's just simply non-negotiable, but you can have the conversation without avoiding it. The next thing you got to think about here is the idea that avoiding risk is the same thing as avoiding success. So many people, as I was saying earlier, try to avoid failure and avoid rejection and avoid hearing no. But when you do that, you're also avoiding hearing a yes. You're also avoiding getting a raving fan, connecting with your most ideal client, getting ahead of the curve, offering something that no one else is offering, serving people in a way that no one else is serving them. That's what I learned with my Voxer plan, actually. I was so embarrassed for the longest time to talk about it because it seemed so silly and it didn't seem like a serious way to work with somebody. And I hold my professional standard and my professional reputation in high regard and I didn't want to jeopardize that, so I wasn't putting it out there. But what I missed out on, I can tell you, changed my bank account significantly over the past um, three to six months. And I've helped clients with tremendous trends 
transformation. But I had that idea. I was sitting on that idea for at least six months before I put it out there and even tried it for a beta because I couldn't get out of my own way about it. I left money on the table. And I want you to think about things that you can't get out of your own way about. What kind of ideas have you had that you haven't told anybody? What kind of dreams have you had for yourself or plans or goals or things you were working on that you just didn't go for and you didn't try because it might not work because anything you're sitting on is also an avoidance of success and you need to own it. You can still hold back and you still can freeze and refuse to take action, but you do need to own the fact that you're avoiding it, right? Like it comes with the territory of business ownership that if you're going to avoid risk, you're also accepting that you're avoiding success. And if you're good with that, great, be good with it, but own it. This last one's important, and I saved it for last, and at some point, maybe even this week, I think I'll do an entire podcast episode on it because I feel that strongly about it. But it's the idea that your network really does equal your net worth. You've got to choose wisely. Jim Rahm wrote a book, and in his book, he talked about that we are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. And the way I make sense of that and the way I wrap my head around it is I tend to compartmentalize people. So that's true for my friends group. That's true for my family group. And then that's true for my business group because I have incredibly dear best friends who would not be able to have a conversation with me about um, business to save their lives, but they're so important to me and they make me who I am just as much as my sort of high-valued colleagues, mentors, mentors and people that I work with in my business realm. But when you try to reach everybody, when you try to connect with everybody, which is the newbie mistake, you tend to have a network of people around you that don't reflect very well who you are or where you want to be going. And I can tell you that my net worth probably tripled when I changed my network when I changed the level of people I was working with, the types of outreach I was doing, the types and quality of the conversation I was having, I looked for people where I was no longer the smartest person in the room. That's how I've chosen my network. That's how I've chosen the people that I work with, talk to, lean on, and I have gotten so much better at what I do as a result, and my bank account reflects it. My business success reflects it. The trajectory reflects it to the point where I set income goals for 2018 and already I'm thinking I need to dream bigger and aim higher because I'm creating things and working with people at a higher level because my network, my colleagues, my mentors have encouraged that of me, have embraced that idea with me, encourage me and teach me how to go for more, ask for more and remind me that I deserve it. If you don't have a network that does that for you, you have to find it. If you have a network of people who are bringing you down, who are negative, critical, insulting, demeaning, um, complaining, whiners, victims, you name it. If that's the people you're spending the most time with, you're being kept down and you're being held back. And it is not their fault. It's yours. We are responsible 
for our network. So I want you to look at the five people you spend the most time with. And if you are struggling, you know, I know that some people listening to the show, they probably haven't stuck through this entire episode if they're not looking for business advice. But I do know that people come to this show purely for personal development reasons and not everybody's looking to own a business. But I do believe that this happens personally and professionally. There have been times in my life where my mood has been brought down, my energy has been brought down because I'm choosing to spend time with people who don't build me up, make me feel better, get me motivated, or inspire me. And that's true personally or professionally. So I want you, wherever you are in your journey, whyever you're listening to the show, if it's for personal reasons, professional reasons, a combination of both, look at your five people in each quadrant, each section of your life, and check out how they're building you up and how they're helping you be better. Because that's where you're going to find your own personal sense of value, your sense of yourself. But that's also where you're going to find your net worth. It just kind of goes like that sometimes. All right, friends, this was supposed to be 10 rules only, but I am in the audio Olympics here as I try to wrap up the recording of this podcast. I've got a truck backing up on my left-hand side near the window, a vacuum to the right of me outside my door, a cart going across the cement so the headphones are in, your audio quality is probably suffering, and it makes me realize that there is a there is an 11th rule that I wasn't planning on and didn't have written down in front of me as I started this episode. And that's the idea of perseverance. You have to choose to persevere, to see the obstacles, to have the best of intentions, to have the clear vision for who you want to be, how you want to move through the world, and to recognize that sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes the tech gremlins are going to get in the way. Sometimes the audio gremlins are going to get in the way. It is ridiculously loud here as I try to wrap this up and I just have to laugh. And I want you to pay attention to that too, because I think it's the attitude that we choose. I I think it's about who we want to be, given that the obstacles are going to happen, given that things are going to be hard and not always go our way. It is always a choice. And if you're having a hard time making the right choice for yourself in the way that you want it to be, developing the life or the business you want, I really would encourage you to reach out to me. That Voxer plan that I mentioned, it's currently closed. I've gotten um, about 12 or 15 people into it at this point in time, but they're going to be wrapping up with me in the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to be opening up some more slots. So if you want to be on the wait list for that, definitely let me know. You can find me over at heather at choosetohaveitall.com. Let me know, too, when you write in what you thought of this episode, if you found it helpful, if you agree disagreed. I'd love to know your thoughts. And as always, if you have a question and want my two cents on your problem, do write in and let me know. I'd be happy to address it on an upcoming episode. I do have a few letters sitting in my inbox, so perhaps we'll tackle them tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to me today, joining in on the conversation, bearing with my audio Olympics. I really enjoyed talking to you, obstacles and all, and I look forward to chatting with you tomorrow. Bye for now. Thank you.